Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to another exciting episode of Between the Lines. I'm your host, IBK. We've got a great show packed today. AY is here, Folu is here, Ramsey is here. I, Lisa might join us later. We've got a lot of things to talk about. Liverpool have splashed 70 million for Coutinho's replacement in Dominic Schoberschlei. Arsenal have agreed a one-round five million pound deal for Western um, for Declan Rice. We're going to be touching on that. We've got a packed show. NBA, we've, we have crazy, crazy trades. Tyrese Halliburton got paid five years, 260 million. So we have a lot of things to talk about. So um, let me start with you, um, Ramsey. What's up? Yeah, it's good to be back again. Um, yes, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the show. Uh, what's up? Well, uh, Arsenal is trying to move in the market. So we have Declan Rice. Definitely we do have Declan Rice. I don't want us to lose party. I want us to get Lavia. Uh, and then uh, let's see what the season brings. But I'm really worried about the new season. Apart from Manchester United that is scrolling like tortoise in the market, every other team is, even Chelsea that is not anywhere. Chelsea will probably get Caicedo because, of course, no competition, so they need somebody to partner uh, Enzo. And then look at Liverpool, they, they, they just got uh, Dominic Schoeslai. They are going, they have McAllister. Now they're going to have a number 10. I, I'm learning now that maybe he's not what I think he is. Maybe he's a goal scorer himself. That is even worse than my fear. And then you look at Tottenham that will finish seventh, uh, getting <laughs> a, 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 a lot of names to help them. And I'm even hearing tonight that they have sealed a deal for Manos Solomon, Solomon, which yeah. means that, yeah, which means that their seventh is definitely secured. So if you look at Newcastle, if you look at uh, Aston Villa, Aston Villa got Tillemans, but they got Paul Torres. Now, I think next season is going to be very, very, very interesting. So Manchester United must be really worried. Not like I wish them well, not like I'm afraid of them, but I'm worried for them that why are they silent in the market? Apart from missing Mount, they've not done anything. And then Manchester City is going to be what Manchester City will always be, uh, the title contender. So who is going to challenge them? I hope it is my team. But outside that, it's going to be an amazing season. So let the show begin. All right, Folu, what's up? Hi, guys, it's good to be back again. Um, well, the transfer window just opened, and it seems everybody wants to get their deals done as soon as possible and start to prepare. Um, well, I'm seeing rice, I don't understand why um, Deccan Rice is going for that price, especially when he has one year left in his contract. So I was he thinking, doesn't have one year. Uh, he doesn't have one year. Oh. No, he doesn't. Oh. He has about two. I thought years. he had... No, he has a year. Oh. Is it... No, it's uh, two years. I, 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 saw that in, I saw that in one... No, he has a year. He has a year with an option of another year. No, he has a year. With an option of another year, that means two years. There's no club... That, there's no selling club that will not activate the extra year. So it is technically two years. Two years ago. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, you're right. You're right. $100 million plus is still a lot of money for an English player that is probably going to fade sometime soon. But then, <laughs> welcome to Arsenal Declan Rice. <laughs> yeah, so okay, that's probably. exciting. And, um, well, I'm, I'm happy with the transfer so far. We have two transfer, Liverpool, and uh, I'm still hoping that we can steal in maybe three more players. I, I'm sure 
um, Turam is coming. They're just waiting for the under under twenty one um, championship tournament to be done, so that uh, we can sign him. I think he's going for about thirty five million, so he can fight battle with him, Fabinho for that damn position. Uh, I'm seeing maybe we'll continue the same formation we had last season, using three at the back and Trent playing the inverted role. But I think he should just play in that midfield and. We stick to Pavard, get Pavard. It's going to come cheap. He doesn't want to renew contract. He wants a new challenge. If it comes for about 30 million, that's fine. And um, also, Chelsea, very, very impressive with their sales. I think they're trying to let go of so many of those players. They have too many players in that squad. And then, of course, that will affect your dressing room and all of that. And you see a player like Kulibali going for 25 million who is almost finished. And uh, you see all these players. I think they already made almost 200 million so far. And uh, I'm wondering who they are going for. But, you know, the transfer you just started and then um, it's best to get your deals fast. I'm looking at likes of Man City to see what their plans are um, replacing Gunnigan. Um, I'm sure they have something in mind and um, we should be worried about them. Um, likes of um, United, I don't know. Um, we also had um, Mount. Uh, we wanted him, but I think the two signings we have, I prefer them to Mount, honestly. And um, <clears throat> I think it's going really well. Everyone is beginning to see uh, the plans for the next season. I'm just hoping that this time we can you know, go for the league. Either first or second, we should be able to get that if we get all <laughs> the necessary players we need. Yes. Um, I think I think we don't need any attacker, any striker, anything, but the amount of players up front, Salah, Jota, Nunez, and everyone, I think that's that's fine. We have about five players, five, six players who are pretty decent. Once we can get two more midfielders, um, uh, Turam and maybe move trends to the midfield and get Pavard, I think that would be absolute, that would be that would be fantastic. Turan is 6'4", the energy, young. These are young players that can go on and play for the next 10 years at the highest stage. So really exciting. Uh, I want more players. And then, if possible, get one of um, Thiago, Anderson. One of them should just go, really. I don't think we need so much. Just now it's getting too much because we have young stars too, like um, Elliot and Curtis Jones. So I think um, it's perfect that um, likes of um, um, Fabio Cannavaro, Cavallo, sorry, as, uh, is on loan to Leipzig now. Um, so he's, he, he's a young star and um, he can come back stronger and better. So I'm really, really pleased with the, with the transfer and I'm hoping for some more players. All right, all right. Okay, um, Ay, let's let's start with um, let's continue with what's why what's holding up the Man U sale? I know that's what's causing Man U not to enter into the market is the sale. What's what's holding it up? What what eyes are they dotting and T's crossing? Uh, well, the uh, the many factors. I mean, for one, um, some. 
uh, a particular class of Man United shares are traded on the uh, New York Stock Exchange. That's one. And then you have uh, another class of shares owned by the six uh, siblings. So you need a situation where all six siblings want to sell. I think to get to 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 get the shares of the stock exchange is not difficult, but the, the biggest problem is getting the six siblings to share to sell. And um, from what we hear, I believe four of them are okay, uh, are ready to sell cash in and move on. While another two prefer to stay a bit longer, with the mindset that perhaps United would be worth uh, a lot more, you know, in the next five to ten years, but. Uh, from what I heard, I mean, the the asking uh, price, I believe, is $6 billion, which I believe uh, the, the two bids at the moment value the club at the, uh, it's about $6 billion. Uh, the first um, bidder is um, Sheikh Jassim, uh, who is the chairman of the Qatar Investment Bank, I believe, or, or something like that. I, I don't know the exact name of the bank. And his father used to be prime minister of Qatar. Uh, he's valued the club at about, I think, $5 billion. Yeah, and, just um, over $5 billion, yeah. yeah, just over $6 billion, actually. And uh, when I say his bid, the value of his bid, I mean, not, not the club itself. Uh, which includes uh, all the assets, uh, money that will be invested into rebuilding the stadium and uh, investing in the squads, uh, the women, the women's team, and other infrastructure like quarantine and all that. Then we have the bid from uh, Sajim Ratcliffe of Ineos uh, that, that involves... Uh, not buying the club 100%, but maybe buying out the the other siblings and then leaving some shares for the two that are still interested in owning my United shares, but to give them lesser roles. So I don't know how, because I keep hearing that perhaps this is why there's a problem with the transfers. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily believe so, because a takeover is not going to, just happen. It's going to take months, right? Uh, the reinvestment group is supposed to come out and say and say who the, pref- the preferred bidder is, and then the preferred bidder's bid is accepted, and then the whole process is then sent to the uh, commission in the UK, who would then approve the deal. Uh, that's of course they look at uh, the the owner the preferred bidder's uh, track record if they're fit and proper. That process alone would take maybe a month or two before the takeover fully happens. And then when the takeover happens, of course, uh, whoever wins comes with their own personnel, right? They come with people they prefer to work with, say they want to change with the chairman is, they want to change a couple of directs. So this whole process is going to take two, three months, irrespective of if even the rain group names a preferred bidder today, it's still going to take a two, three months, which means it's going to take till perhaps the end of the year. So this idea that, oh, United don't have money to spend, 
because there's a takeover, I don't I don't buy it. I think it's just if you if you if you study the Glazers, their pattern of investment in United, they tend to spend more when there's a new manager or when the team is out of the Champions League. But when the team goes back to the Champions League, they usually spend less. Yeah, if you remember Mourinho, I remember when United were on tour the the US, Mourinho was very upset because he wanted certain players signed and he couldn't get uh, Ed Woodward couldn't get those players, you know, couldn't sign those players. Uh, the rumor is that United have 150 million pounds to spend. Some say 150, some say 120. But even that is not an interest because if you if you study football transfers very well, when they say a team bids for a player, say 50 million, it doesn't mean they're going to pay 50 million to get mm. the player at the point of transfer. True, true. That, it could be they will pay 25 million now, they'll pay That's 10 right. million at the end of the season. This thing, you get the way they spread it out. So even if United have 150 million to spend, it doesn't mean we cannot spend, if we cannot, you know, take on transfers uh, valued at, at maybe 200 or even more. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it doesn't mean that we can't sign players. It's just the United way is. Uh, you say you want this player, then you need the Glazers to sign off on the deal. The Glazers will come and say, oh, this player is not worth this amount. I, I just think the process is a bit different when you're dealing with Mayu. That's one. Two, I think the players we've targeted are not players you can easily get, say. But number, okay, number one, uh, Mason Mount looks like someone that could you could get easily if you meet your valuation, right? Which is what happened this week. But if you say you want Kane, Kane is not a player you're going to get easily unless you're willing to spend 100 million pounds. Right? So the first problem to get a player like Kane is you need to agree on how much you feel he's worth. You need, you need Kane to be on board. They need Levy to be on board with how you want to stretch the payment. So the process is not, it's not as easy as, as it looks. Uh, if you say, for example, United wants to sign... Uh, say uh, Onana and Inter want to sell Onana at 50 million pounds you need to first evaluate is Onana worth 50 million pounds what, what happens with the gear uh, do we need to get some interesting money in so there are lots of things involved in transfers and let's not forget this is just July 2nd right yeah uh, sure. yeah I know precision starts later this month but the league itself starts over a month and a week from now. So I, I do believe before the end of this month, we should have two or three players, irrespective of whatever happens. But I want people to forget this thing about, oh, the, it's because of the takeover. It's, it doesn't make sense because no matter what happens, the whoever the preferred bidder is, that bidder is not going to take over fully till... I say October, November. By then, the window is short already. And we know January window is not the best for transfers. So till next summer, we're not going to see, you know, the kind of swiftness we expect in the transfer. 
I, I get the problem with the swiftness, right? You want your team to go in decisively, beat, get a player. I mean, we saw that with Arsenal. Arsenal went for Avets. They beat the first time, rejected. Second, I believe they beat like three times. But they got their man after like a week or two, right? And now they look like they're going to get rise too after another week or two. But United has been on mount for a month. So there's a difference between the processes because I guess things are faster in, at certain clubs. But, no, I also I also think uh, anyway. I also think yeah. that uh, for for United and for Arsenal and then all these other clubs, Man City, even Liverpool, and even I just said West Ham got a got a um, sporting director just recently, like a proper one, not not uh, not this guy, not Mark Nobu kind of thing, but a proper one. I think that because these guys have sporting directors, you know, they have technical directors, so bam. <laughs> they they are able to they able they already have too many there are too many factors in it they already have the clout they have the clientele they have the the calls to make they have the let me use the word dirty people to do their laundry for so once things are once okay we want x x player we want y player they know how to get these players faster than man you that looks like a family club you know and people have people have their jobs not based on merit but based on who they know and stuff. And that's how it looks from outside looking in. So that's why at the end of the day, even last season, you look at um, you guys overpaid for a couple of players. These guys started from, you know, they said Anthony is going to be 80 million and you guys could not even bring it down to maybe 60 or 55. So I think that I, that's my own, that's my own theory for, for mine. I think, I think, the Anthony, the Anthony deal was look like I always tell people. No, I just I'm just giving an I'm, an example. I'm not trying to say that is how okay. it is for her. So I'm not. I'm just giving an example that mind you, you know, with a lot of a lot of players, even even someone like Harry Maguire, those were the numbers Leicester put out and they didn't they didn't budge and mind you paid. So I think that those those factors because they don't have that nouns in the market. Whatever the word now is, you know, they don't have it in the market. And I think that's, that, that affects how I, I, don't, I, I don't agree, but it's fine. I don't agree. Oh, oh, all right. All right. Um, um, Ramsey, you know, in our pre, pre-recording show, you said you wanted to ask AY a question. So, ask. Okay. Uh, all right. So, uh, there are a couple of questions to ask AY. Uh, the first I'm going to ask, last time out, AY said that United and Arsenal are in the same boat. Do you still feel the same way, AY? Do you still think Arsenal and Manchester United, with respect to transfers, are in the same boat? Uh, I mean, obviously, Arsenal has been more, more decisive and, you know, in their, in their transfer process. I mean, the architecture... At, at Arsenal is totally different from at Man United. Uh, Arsenal have a director of football, like a football man, right? Uh, and clearly that shows in the way he handles transfers. United, on the other hand, we have a, a CEO, Motor, whatever. Who does have a who does have history in football? So you you know he's going to need agents to make his deals happen, and that means that naturally slows down the process. 
uh, Arsenal on the other hand, Edu has is just Edu, maybe one or two other people with Ateta that decide who they want, and they just they just you know bid. They probably obviously need a Kroenke to sign up the deals, but the the chain of command is not filled with you know incompetent people, right? As compared <laughs> to United, so obviously Arsenal's uh, transfer process is uh, is more decisive. Is more uh, compared to United, that is more of uh, a deterring system. So, yeah. Okay. Anyway, second question. I say, um, Ramsey's okay. second question. Yeah. Okay, so uh, like I said, there are a couple of questions. I uh, know just uh, so I, I also want to ask you because last week AY raised a concern, uh, and even though he was just analyzing the situation, but I, I saw a, I saw reasons for us to uh, be concerned as friends of the Premier League. We so I support Arsenal, uh, AY and Lisa, they support Manchester United, fully supports Liverpool, so uh. He was raising concerns about young, talented players choosing other leagues like Bellingham to Real Madrid. Uh, we know that some young talents would rather go to the Bundesliga where they can uh, develop. Do you think that this is a problem? I think I asked the last weekend. Do you think this is a problem to the Premier League? And then looking at what Saudi is about to start, they are no longer targeting old players. Now they are looking at the likes of Wilfred Zaha. We can say Zaha is probably uh, over 30 in real terms. And then you look at them looking at um, Bernardo Silva and all. Do you think that uh, Premier League is, is going to be threatened in the next two, three seasons if Saudi continues this way, which I do not hope so anyways, but do you think Premier League is in danger? Uh, I think um, I'm going to answer the question uh, in two ways. Uh, the first one is that I don't think the the Saudi system is going to threaten the EPL because uh, I think football in Europe is already at a level where the average footballer, you know, like I, like I always say, people play football for different reasons, right? The first reason is probably you want to earn money, you want to be a superstar and all that. And the second reason is, you know, you need to survive, you need to feed your family and all that. And that's probably the only skill you have to feed them and to make money. So as a footballer, when you're growing up, you're dreaming of playing in the UEFA Champions League. You're not dreaming of playing in the Asian Champions League, right? You're dreaming of uh, playing for Barcelona, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Arsenal. You're not dreaming of playing for Adelaide, right? So that alone will still always attract young players across the world. I'll give you a typical example of that. The the Spanish La Liga, the Italian Serie A, they're, they're leagues that they've sort of depreciated in the past, past five, six years, right? But you still have players saying no. I want to go to Real Madrid. Even when clubs in England are offering them perhaps more money in terms of salaries, players are taking pay cuts to go to Real Madrid, Barcelona, AC Milan because of history. So that history alone is enough to, 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 to ensure that young players will still prefer to go to Europe. And like I always say, in Saudi Arabia, of course, it, it's, uh, I mean, Saudi Arabians have always liked football. Right, they've, they've had a league for a while. It's just, of course, they're in Asia. And this recent 
you know, need to put money into the league. There are two ways things could go, right? The league could improve. Initially, they need to get, you know, attention to the league so they can attract big players. That's why they're investing so much. It's going to get to a stage they need to break even because you can't sustain a league at a loss for too long. You can't do that. When it's not WNBA. (laughs) You know, at a point, you need to start trying to break even, meaning you want more TV money, right? And you want want clubs to be self-sufficient and not clubs being subsidized by the government. Because at the moment, what you have is these clubs are being subsidized by the government because the government set up a fund to develop football. So it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Yeah. Can I say something with respect to this? You know, um, okay. Ramsey. You know, I Ramsey. You're in the sports journalism, so I know. I know you. You know. You remember stuff called the Aspire Academy that even Pele was a was an ambassador. You know, not just Saudi Arabia, but the Asians have been working on trying to um, develop their league in in a, in a certain kind of way. And Ewai rightly said it. They have a pushback, and what's the push? There's a pushback, and what's the pushback? Pushback is that uh, at the end of the day, it's still not at a, as attractive to folks growing up. You know, folks are saying that you know, I I I I played in Champions League anthem on my phone as my ringtone or something like that because the league is still not as exposed. And of course, another thing is the the society is not as liberal as what you have in Europe. So there's still going to be a pushback from from you know players in different climates. So it's going to be very difficult for them to... I'm not saying they can't develop it, but I'm just saying that uh, um, it's not going to be easy. And I think that with what I've read about it, I think that this is their second... This is another phase of it. They've done the academies for a bit. They've hosted the World Cup. And now this is another phase of it. This this is done scientifically. Let's see how it goes. So, um, so Ramsey, uh, you, 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 your question has been answered. You said you wanted to ask one more question. So. Yes, one final question that I want us to discuss. Yes. All right. So uh, I, I know that uh, I, I remember a time that Manchester Bayern Munich wanted to buy Kalamot Sinodoy from Chelsea. Chelsea did not sell. But then if you look at English players, those that are ambitious, those that know what they want for their career, they would rather go to leagues like Germany, unerouded leagues like Germany for them to develop. And then we have a few names that uh, we can point out. And then we've seen how they are. Look at Jude Bellingham when he left uh, Manchester City. He went to the German Bundesliga. And then from there, it's now in Real Madrid. He could have gone to Liverpool. Yes, let's understand that Liverpool did not qualify for Champions League. But if Liverpool had qualified for Champions League, would he have gone to Liverpool in place of Real Madrid? I am not very sure. So I'm asking, is it easier for young talents to develop in Germany as against the hype of the Premier League where the world is going to see them, where they're going to have agents hyping them up tabloids saying things about them, looking at Jack Wilshere, looking at Wayne Rooney, looking at all those players that uh, came through the ranks in England. Uh, 
is it easier or better for him? Do you develop better in the Bundesliga than in England? It's something that I want us to discuss. Ay, give me trouble. Okay, yeah. Um, I think um, there are lots of factors to, to consider. I think, of course, I think you you you're wrong to say the EPL still doesn't develop players. I mean, if you look at if you look at, um, of course, they don't develop players at the rates they used to. If you look at Man City, you can say Foden was developed by Man City. If you look at Arsenal, you can say Saka, you can say Martinelli. Uh, Saliba was signed pretty young, but it was loaned, right, to develop. So to the, to the question itself, because there's so much money in the EPL right now, it's a, it's a risk for for teams to give you know opportunities to too many young players right so it's it's left for the managers to point okay this player i know this one will definitely bang uh this one i'm not so sure so maybe you should go on loan and but the way the loan system works in the epl you have different tranches of teams you have teams that are chasing the top four you have the ones that are battling relegation, then you have the ones in the middle. So if you loan a player to one of the teams battling relegation and the team starts struggling, the first thing they're going to do is bench your, your, your loanee because your loanee is not going to help them. They're going to go for experienced players who can help them, you know, stave off relegation. So what has happened is the EPL has become so competitive, so expensive that teams are not really willing to take the gamble to develop young players they're not sure of. They're going to develop, they're always going to develop young players, but it's not going to be at the rates that they used to. Now, in Germany, on the other hand, it's a, it's a more uh, tactical league and it's a league where, you know, they don't have the financial might of the EPL, but they have the ability to give, they tend to give younger players an opportunity to express themselves to develop and play. So if a young player in England and you're struggling to, you know, get into the starting eleven. You're even struggling to make it to the bench, but the talent is there. If you go to Germany, you get a chance to play. You might even play in the Europa League or in the Champions League, depending on where you play for. And after a couple of years, you get a transfer to a team in the EPL or like Birmingham uh, did to Real Madrid, and then everything works out fine. I can assure you, if Sancho had stayed in Man City, Sancho would probably be in a team like Crystal Palace right now. Maybe that is actually where his level is, considering how he's playing for United, right? But he wouldn't have been at the top so easily because he wouldn't have started at Man City either of Riyad Mahrez and all those guys. He would probably have been loaned to Crystal Palace for a year or two and then they just buy him at the end of the loan. Can I also so, add that... Yeah. Sorry. Can I also add that I think this is more peculiar with um yeah like like um like um, ramses rightly said in his question i think this is more peculiar with um the english players you know they have a style of how they want to play they have you know they have the exposure on whatever you think it is and of course when you come in you know a young player you're coming into the team the hype of course there's also the excitement that one of your own in quotes you know is 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 coming into the first team but if you're not at that level, because coaches, you only for a coach, you're only as good as your last 
your last win, your last game. So if coaches are not winning, they are not going to take a chance on you. And I also think that um, I, I've always said it, and I think my brother agrees with me, you know, from time to time, is that I just don't think the scouting is as is is just as broad and as sophisticated enough. Because I do not think that at the end of the day, apart from these English players and what have you, this small pool, I there are talents all around the world. Wait, wait, sorry, sorry, sorry to cut you. The, the the scouting is is okay. The problem is teams cannot risk. Like I said, you're not gonna you're gonna you're not gonna risk bringing a player from uh, Argentina, spending say I mean you're not gonna spend so much say ten million pounds. You bring the player in, he's struggling to play, and then your team doesn't make the top four. You rather allow teams like Brighton take that risk. And then when you're sure that this player is good, you don't mind paying your 40 million, 50 million pounds. So it's a, it's a symbiotic relationship between the big clubs and the small clubs. The big clubs cannot take that risk. They can't. That's just it. So it, it's not like the scouting is all of a sudden horrible. It's not, it's not that. It's just the teams are not going to take the risk. Look at Saicido, for example. Saicido had a chance to come to United for just 5 million pounds. But United less could less than less than yeah. But United could not take the risk, and who knows if we had brought him in, maybe we'd still be in our under twenty one team right now. The Brighton took that risk, brought him in, and now they're going to sell him for seventy eighty million. The big clubs don't mind because they have the money anyway. They don't mind, so let Brighton take the risk. Let uh, Everton take the risk. They don't mind. The big clubs will buy the players of them when they're ready. So I don't think it's a scouting problem, to be honest. It's just teams don't have that time anymore. Of course, they, they're always going to invest in one or two young players, like I, like I said. But it's not like before where you have six, seven players from the U team. That's not going to happen with the kind of money in the EPL right now. If you look at United, we have Ganacho. Someone scouted Ganacho, right? If you look at Arsenal, someone scouted uh, Martinelli. Martinelli so like was scout- already in, in English... Um, scouting circles already. He had come to Manu for, for about a couple of weeks, like when he was thirteen or fourteen. So it's not like he was an unknown. Yeah, but one, but, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not necessarily seeing Arsenal scouts. But my point is, he had been scouted. They had spotted him as a talent from Brazil, and he came all, and he came all the way to the EPL, and he clicked. Right. So these scouts are still doing their jobs. The problem is, are the teams themselves ready to take that risk to say, okay? This player, they said we should pay ten million pounds. Is it worth ten million pounds? What if we bring him and he can't make it into the team? And it's okay, like United, we have uh, Pelestri, right? Mm-hmm. I think I believe we signed Pelestri for twelve million pounds. How many? How many starts has he has he given us for the past three years? Now, trust me, if Pelestri had been scouted by Brighton and had been starting at Brighton since he joined Man United. By now, it would be worth 50, 60 million pounds because you would have had many opportunities to play in the EPL. You have adapted to the EPL system and it will be, it will be better off. But because he came to Man U, he couldn't get into the team. We loaned him to a club in Spain. I, I think Zaragoza or something. The club got relegated. He came back. We loaned him again. He's just going back and forth. So at the end of the day, that, that's where the problem is. So how many, how many pedestrians are you going to risk? Are you going to risk four or five of them and then if you do that, only one of them makes it and you've wasted 40 million, 50 million anyway. 
So why don't you just take fewer risks and allow allow teams like Brighton to take the risk and just buy the players of them when they're ready? I don't think it's a bad model anyway. It's not bad if you have the money. And clearly, EPL teams have the money. Oh, okay. All right. Um, um, Lisa, welcome to the conversation. Um, we, we, we've talked about mine, we've talked about Liverpool. Um, what Tottenham signed Mano Solomon, we, I think we just had, had, had it this evening. Um, what's, what say you, Mano Solomon and Madison this week? Um, last week, obviously, was Madison. What say you about the signings? Does it push them into the top four? Um, this is Mano Solomon. He was playing for um, which I know was who Shakhtar. Yeah, exactly. Fulham. Yeah, because yeah. I know was scoring some uh, wonderful late minute goals for Fulham. Well, I don't know. I just like the way they are going about their business. It's not like I didn't even know they were interested in this guy until we just got the confirmation from Fabrizio that they've gone on to sign him. I don't know how decent that guy is. So I don't know if he's that good. I don't even know why the owners like Levy, why they were even interested in me, sorry, in him in the first place. I really don't know. But maybe it fits into what the um uh, I don't know how to pronounce that name, that new Tottenham um coach. Angie, just call ah. him <laughs> Okay. I don't know why he's interested in him, but I mean it's still a good it might the my guy might. I mean, we did see some signs, you know, when he was with Fulham. Was at Fulham, so he might probably come good. Afterwards, he's a free agent. Like, I don't think they have anything to lose. All they just need to do is pay salary and all. But me, the one thing I'm happy for them is them signing Madison. But I remember this Madison was, I don't know, was very vocal against them Tottenham at some point. But look at him now playing for Tottenham. I mean, um. No, they also signed a goalkeeper. I think they've signed three players so far, right? Three players. A goalkeeper, Madison, and this one. Yeah. So um, it, at least um, does it make them a top four contender? It doesn't. Oh, it doesn't. I don't think they've signed that <laughs> guy yet. No, it doesn't. Look at what Liverpool is doing. If they were signing kind of players that Liverpool were signing, I'd say yes, because Liverpool is still even interested, very much interested in Lavia. Sorry. If they were, you know, I don't really, they've not really gone on to buy anybody that would, except Madison, of course, that would say, okay, this person would probably, you know, push them into, propel them into the top four. They're not going to, nah, they can't make it. Even though they don't have any European engagements, they're not going there. Nah, the least they should hope to get is top seven. I, I don't see them. I don't see them making it to the top four. Not with the likes of Liverpool, Arsenal, um, City and Chelsea. No, I don't see them. I didn't even count United. That's because United is not even there. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Uh, um, any, 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 any um, guys, any other major European signing that's, you know, shocked you, surprised you? Or, okay, okay, this is a good signing. I didn't see that coming. The Liverpool one now. Did you see it coming? The guy from the sign from Leipzig. Zobosly, yeah, I saw it coming. You saw it? Yeah, I saw it coming. I didn't see it. I didn't even know to interest. I don't I don't even know. I've not seen him play. I don't know how good that guy is. I really it's, don't know. It's like Coutinho. Yeah. It shoots a lot. It's a time that shoots a lot. 
Okay, so yeah. what's what um club is planning to do is just attack, attack, attack on all fronts. Yeah. <laughs> Follow what is club? Planning? Ah, is even here. <laughs> well, I, I think it, well, not just attack, attack. When when you look at the different kind of formations, he can play multiple roles. So it's not like yes, just like Coutinho, you can play Salah's wing up front. He can play behind the striker. He can play left midfield. He can play right midfield. He can also play central midfield, like box to box. So he can really play everything. And uh, when you look at the new formation, the last 12, 10 games we played, it's kind of like a 3-2-2-3. So we have like two number eight stroke 10s, which will be... um, Dominic and uh, McAllister. So I'm very sure we're going for a DM. Um, like I said earlier, Turam is is the top guy we're going for. Powerful, you know, young, energetic, tall, 6'4". And uh, yeah, I think once they get that and maybe one more CB, it's going to be massive. And um, you guys are going to be really, really scared. No, we we are the only team that have won in, apart from Man City in the last five years. And we've been second twice. So let's don't forget that last season was horrible. And the thing is, a lot of people have forgotten how, how good that team is because of last season. Let's don't get it twisted. Um, now they know what they want. They are going for it. And I'm sure before the next two weeks, they'll be done with all their transfers. Maybe three or two more players coming in top notch. But I thought FSG was PG. They were not spending money. Can Maybe I say you something? You were shouting FSG out, out, out. Where <laughs> yeah, does money yeah. now come from? Yeah, it's coming from being in the Premier League. Can I can I add something to 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 for loose conversation about Liverpool? And I think this will sound like a hot take. I think they need to start looking at life after Van Dyke. I think this is his last best, as in decent, good season, this coming season. I think so. Yes. I think they are making plans for that. And that's why I said there will be about two more, two more signings. One more um, DM and most likely a CB who can play right back. That's what I was looking at on Pavard. I know I've been saying that news about Pavard and all of that. I'm sure they're looking into that because Van Dyke, uh, Van Dyke had maybe, a, maybe. he had a good short run, but he, since that injury, he has he he's, he has become just another defender. Yeah, not, he's become a Maguire. Then. No, no, not no, a, not a Maguire. Uh, not but, a Maguire. But not, not Maguire. good enough. Not that elite level. He wasn't elite for too long. Was just elite for like two and a half, three seasons. So I think that they should start looking at that. Um, um, Ramsey, Bayern's pursuit of um, Bayern is doing some funny transfers, which is just like ridiculous. Lucas Hernandez has gone to PSG, which I'm surprised. And now they're chasing, um, uh, they're chasing Harry Kane and they are bringing piecemeal, piecemeal money. Would they be able to get him? Since there's nobody, well, there are so many sides to this hurricane thing. Since United pulled out of the race, I, I just feel Kane is going to stay at Tottenham 
I think we've discussed this in the past. But discussing Bayern and their funny deals, there's something strange about them. You know, uh, they parted ways with their director of football. Uh, a few guys at the top, like Oliver Kahn, and uh, a few other names, they parted ways with them, and then they're starting all over from the scratch. This kind of move that, the moves they are making right now, it's unlike Bayern. They are trying to convince Manchester City to sell World Cup to them. This is not how Bayern roll. This is not their way. So uh, they have new guys at the top now. So there are ways, we're not familiar with this, with this kind of game that they are playing. I don't think Kane is going to go to Bayern. I think he's probably just going to stay at Tottenham to fight for the Alan Shera record, which is going to break in two seasons. I'm very confident about that. But if you ask me where Hurricane should go, I'll say Manchester United. That's where he should go. I, I don't mind him at Arsenal, but rivalry will not probably let him come. So, but for Bayern, uh, they sold Lucas Hernandez for 50 million, 50 million euros to PSG. And then uh, they are trying to fill in the gap. They have refused to allow Ryan Gervinbach to go as a player I really wanted Arsenal. And, um, you know their model. Their model is in a season they pay very big for one player, and then they do uh, Bambiala for the rest of them. So we don't know that player they're going to play pay premium for this season. Maybe Hurricane, but good luck to them negotiating with Daniel Levy. It's going to be really very. It's going to be really tough. But Thomas Tuchel in charge. You really don't know what to expect, and then you begin to ask yourself. There's a there's a little bit of identity crisis going on at Bayern Munich. Yeah, this is yeah, not who they are. Yeah, this yeah, is I not who they are. This is not how they roll in the transfer market. They have a model. They have a policy. They have uh, their structure, but they are going against everything they stand for in this particular transfer window. It just feels like uh, a club in disarray. So I think they were rattled. They were very lucky to win the title last season because. Uh, Borussia Dortmund is sellers with Borussia Dortmund. They bottled it and on the last day. So a lot is happening with them. And maybe, just maybe, Thomas Suku could actually is probably not all that as we as we think. Because right now, this Katagon approach, this is not what Bayern stands for. No, this is not what our club stands for. So, but the question I'm asking is: what exactly is their plan? Do they just want to go broke or do they want to? I, I really don't know. I'm really worried for them. I'd rather Dortmund than Bayern, but as it stands, fingers crossed, I'm trying to see what they're doing, but I'm worried for them. That's the honest I truth. I think I understand what Bayern, what Bayern are doing. I think um, they've identified that Hernandez and Pavard are not, well, are not happy at, at Bayern. I want to leave. And they've identified players to replace them. They've already replaced uh, Hernandez with Rafael Guerrero. And um, of course, Pavard could play central back and could play right back, which is a similar profile to Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker is the fastest defender in Man City, even though he's 32 years. So if he's that fast in the EPL, he's going to be super fast in the Bundesliga. So Trying to sign Kawaka, I see the logic. Kawaka is a fast player like Pavard, and he can also slot in a central back. 
already they have uh the lead. Uh they have uh Upenekano as center back. Yeah, so, and they signed uh, are bringing in uh, in in yeah. from Napoli. So Walker going to Man to Bayern makes sense if they're going to lose Pavard, right? In the middle, they've signed Conrad Lima. Uh, they also signed uh, Maximilian Wagner. They've signed Dion Berisha, but those are young players anyway. So I, I get the approach. They've not really re- replaced um, Lewandowski. They thought they could just spread the goals across the middle and the money would probably just make it up, but that didn't work. So you can see the logic behind trying to buy Kane too. So I don't think Bayern are acting confused. They act, they're actually acting smart. If you look at what they need and the players they're looking at, then you get the logic. They have to sign Kim Min Jae because if you watch their loss in the Champions League, it was because Upamecano could not control the ball, get coughing up the ball. <laughs> so they've realized Upamecano is not the you know is not the best def- central defender if they want to win the Champions League. So they, that's why they approached Kim Min Jae, who was probably the best defender, one of the best defenders in Champions League last year. I saw a stat that he and um, Rudiger were the only defenders that uh, they were not dribbled, they were not dribbled throughout Champions League campaign. So I get, I don't think they are confused. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Lima on the free is a good deal. Rafael Guerrero on the free is a very good deal. Yeah, and I so, also think that Rafa the girl deal, why they why they quickly wrapped that deal up was because Alfonso Davies, I think he has two more years on his deal, and he doesn't want to sign a new deal because there have been whispers that Real Madrid are, you know, or everybody knows Real Madrid needs a right back and a left back. So there have been whispers <laughs> that Real Madrid are interested in him. He has that pace, of course, but he's never fit. So I'm sure that's one of the things that is causing Real Madrid to, you know, press pause and, you know, watch and observe first. So it's going to be fascinating to see how how all these guys, how all these pieces fit, you know, in, in the coming days. I think that this coming season is going to be probably in football the best Champions League, league titles that we've seen in, in quite a minute. No, next upper season, we're uh, yeah. not playing in the Champions League. Huh? So it won't be... Liverpool is not playing in the Champions League, so yeah, it's going so... to be the next two seasons. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, nice one, nice one. Okay, so I think I think we're done. Basically, we, I think we've covered everything in football. So let's move to let's move to what happened today. Um, Ay, um, F one before we before we wrap up with the NBA. Oh yeah, sorry. I I thought I could grab ham or something before we continue. Anyway. So, um, well, I'm tired of saying this. Um, you know who won the game? Um, Verstappen, he, 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 he got pole, and then he also won the, the race itself. Um, um, yeah, um, Leclerc was, Leclerc finished second. And, um, I'm sorry, I, like I said, I, I had to grab something, so I'm a bit I'm a bit off right now. And Sergio Perez was third, signs fourth. So basically, Mercedes, Ferrari, uh, McLaren, 
um Mercedes, sorry not Mercedes um Red Bull Ferrari Red Bull yeah at the top four positions yeah Mercedes were were really poor this this weekend uh Hamilton finished uh seventh and uh, Russell finished eighth so how many more years like does Hamilton have on his deal I think he has one more year oh do you think he retires or he changes car I don't see the point of changing the car because no. What I'm saying is, as in leaving Mercedes to some to some other. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't think there's any point because unless he's going to Red Bull, is that means he'll be going for a, a worse car. Oh. Unless he's going to Red Bull or Ferrari, and Ferrari have invested so much in Leclerc, I don't I don't think they'll drop him. Oh. And they won't drop him for guys at the end of his career. Oh, you know. So, I think he's stuck with Mercedes and. Until the new rules change, maybe in the next three years, by then it might be too late for him anyway. So I think he's going to be stuck with Mercedes. All right, all right. So um, let's 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 wrap up with with the trades in the NBA. Omar, um, I I just saw like, you know, I dropped it on the group and everybody got paid. Everybody, Draymond Green, highest hundred million. Uh, I think the one that annoyed me the most was, I'm sorry to say, was was Lamelo Ball, two sixty. Damn, five years, <laughs> supermax. I I don't think he's a supermax player, you know. So of course, someone like um, this guy will be licking his lips. This your Celtic guy, Brown. He'll be licking his lips that he's going to get paid almost three hundred million, if not more, dollars <laughs> for five years, man. So. Everybody got paid. Jeremy Grant, five years, 160. With Blazers, Fred Van Vliet, one, three years, 130. I, I think Fred has made a career, man. From being undrafted to getting paid unnecessarily, man. Kyrie, three years, 126. Everybody, Chris Middleton came back, three years, 102. You know, you, it was just fascinating, man. Even Lakers were able to pick up Gabe Vincent, our boy. Three years, <laughs> yeah, three years, 33. They lost Schroeder two years, 26 with Raptors. So everybody got paid. Everybody got paid. Nobody got a poor deal. Everybody got like decent, great deals, man. So can you, can you, can we touch on what, what it's like with this new CBA rule coming in from this July and stuff? Can you touch on what that second April conversation is about? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 uh, but before I do that, I want to talk about um, the trade request of uh, Damian Lillard. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. I think I, we discussed that last weekend, and I was like, Lillard is definitely going to request a trade because uh, the Blazers did not trade the, the top pick to get a veteran, right? And lo and behold, it, it happened, they requested a trade, and he, he prefers to go to Miami. I think the Blazers prefer to send him to the Brooklyn Nets because the Brooklyn Nets have picks. While Miami does not have picks. Well, they have picks, but picks from other teams. Like I think they have a pick from Phoenix and all that. So I think they'll, they'll, it's going to take a while for this to be sorted because the leader has been such a great player for Portland and it will be a good plus for for Miami, obviously Miami will have to probably lose Tyler Hero, probably lose 
with one or two other players. And uh, Portland will probably want to package Nurkic in that deal. Nurkic is on a bad contract, so they might want to package him together, send him to Miami. But we'll see how that goes. Um, so to your question about um, the CBA, right? So basically, this is how it works. For next season, the salary cap is about, I think, $35 million. But the luxury task tax is $165 million. So if you exceed, so the way it works, the salary cap is the amount of money that every team has available to spend on their roster, right? So every team that spends below $136 million, that is the cap, creates cap room they can spend on incoming free agents. So if right now uh, you are committed to, you com- you've committed, say, $100 million to your roster, as of today, you can sign free agents to get to the salary cap of one thirty six million, right? Yeah. Are right. you there? Yes, we're here. So, so that's it. Now, teams can naturally go over the salary cap by using cap exceptions. Like for instance, you have bird exceptions to make it easier for teams to re- re- to retain their free agents. For example, Draymond Green was on the roster of the uh, Golden State Warriors. So in order to give Damon Green a new contract, it can go over the salary cap. It's allowed. That's a cap exception because it's already on their roster. Right? Mm. It would be different if Damon Green wanted to sign another team. That team will not be allowed within the, 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 the cap space. Right? So now it is agreed that most teams, of course, most teams will go over the salary cap when they use these exceptions, but they usually try to stay below the luxury tax, which is, uh, I think, 165 million this year. Now, penalties for teams start at the luxury tax line. It's when you get to the luxury tax that you start facing penalties. The first are simply fines, financial fines. Say you just find the club, let's say you're over the salary cap by 10 million, you pay 10 million, right? And then what the league does is they distribute the 10 million to non-tax-paying teams at the end of the season. So teams within the cap get money from teams over the cap. All right. Do you understand? All right. Yeah. So now, as you further go into the tax, you approach aprons, right? In order to stop teams from simply just because these teams are owned by billionaires, right? They don't mind paying luxury tax of 30 million every year, 40 million every year. If it means they're going to go deep into the playoffs and make more money, more TV money. Anyway, it's worth it. They're going to sell their arenas more, right? Because if you go into the playoffs, you play more games, you sell more tickets, you sell more drinks, you sell more merchandise. So these teams don't mind. They don't mind paying above the salary cap. They don't mind paying the luxury tax. So there has to be a way to penalize them that is different from just taking money from them because they are billionaires. They don't care. So that's why you have penalties that affect your ability to build your roster. Those are the aprons. Now, the first apron, the first apron hits when a team's payroll is, I think it exceeds 170 million. So the first apron, uh, Teams cannot apply, cannot acquire a player in a in a sign and trade, if if it means they go over one seventy million. 
Teams cannot sign a player waived during the regular season whose salary is over the mid-level exception. So sometimes, uh, like we had last season, right? Russell Westbrook was on about, I believe, about 38 million, right? He still had 38 million on his contract. The Lakers could have waived part of that money to get rid of him. Assuming they did that, he could have signed for anything at a mid-level, mid-level exception level. Yeah. Yeah. But now, if a team is on the first apron, is above the first apron now, you are not going to be allowed to do such. Okay? All right. Uh, uh, like, the, the first point I made was um, you cannot you cannot acquire a player in the sign and trade, right? If, if he keeps you above the apron. Because sometimes... You want, for example, you have a player that is a free agent, right? But you cannot sign him on a free. You know, I, I, told, I said to, to, to sign a player that is a free agent and absorb him, you cannot go above the salary cap. What teams usually do is that player will sign a new deal where he's coming from, and then there's a trade, so the salaries match. It's similar to what LeBron James did before he joined the Heat from Cleveland. That will not be allowed if the Heat are in the first apron. Oh, okay. Now, salary salary matching in trades would have to be within 110%. Now, salaries don't always match in trades. right? That's what they call a trade exception. Because a trade exception is created when a team sends out salary in a trade without taking it back. And usually that exception is used to trade for multiple players, or to trade out salaries without adding to the luxury tax. So, for example, players are on different salaries. So when you say you want to move, for example, Damian Lillard and um, and um, and um, Nurkic to Miami, and you want to give a Portland, Tyler Hero, uh, Duncan Robinson, and some exceptions, the salaries will not completely match. You understand? It, this, yeah. they're, they're going to be closed. As long as they, they don't exceed 125%, it's allowed. If you're in the first apron, that drops to 110%. So salary matches trades are now more difficult. Now, when you get to the second apron, that is when your salary cap, so, so your team salary exceeds 180 million. Oh, oh, so oh, in, this case, there's a, in this case, there's an additional penalty. Okay. You okay. don't have that. You don't anyway. have access. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we, we might we might be to, we might maybe we have to continue next week because we will <laughs> okay, because okay. it's going to go into a lot of conversations. But I un- but I understand where you're coming from in this, and I hope that uh, I think everybody is just going to get paid to me at the end of the day with all this. Yeah, the players are going to get paid, the owners are protecting themselves more. It's, it's a fascinating battle. Um, so, um, thank you very much, Ewa. Thank you very much, Ramsey, Lisa, um, Polu, that was here as well. 